No apology with the Bible idiots. Chris and Emily Danielson with you. So glad you're along for the ride on this long form teaching Wednesday. <laughs> like how you say that, like a movie tra- trailer. Yeah. Long form teaching Wednesday. Long form. This time it's personal. And this time it's not you either. It's not so me that's either. always encouraging when we can bring oh, them great, out. Thanks. No. <laughs> not you it's really good no uh, anytime we get you off the air and other preachers come it's much better for everybody you know it's good when you have uh more than just one person well yeah every week even at the church you know it's like pastor needs to take a break it's good to have a guest speaker and not just in the break sometimes the pastor needs to be there and have a guest speaker the the exactly barna or pew research somebody did one and they said the optimum for a growing congregation that's really alive for jesus Mm -hmm. is to hear their authentic preacher 45 times in a year and okay. so that, not, you know, most pastors get, you know, anywhere from three to four weeks vacation. Sure. So that leaves a couple of weeks where you can have a guest speaker when you're right. actually there. I and, like doing that, too. And it, and it allows you to kind of partnership and fellowship outside of just your little mm-hmm. stone walls there. You know yep. what I mean? And and connect with other body members. Ron so. Bowl is the bishop of the Midwest Conference of the BIC. And he is our guest speaker today. And because he was the guest speaker at Lifehouse Church. Mm-hmm. And he started a message that I thought, did he happen to see my message on YouTube last week? So I called him. I said, did you know that I'd started this passion and purpose to be elite series kind of thing? And he said, no, I've been so busy. But this message that you're about to hear lines up perfectly with the whole idea of passion and purpose to be elite. You know, one of the things, one of the tests, the measures is that when different members of the body of Christ are kind of singing the same song, you know that God is speaking through them. So that's always exciting. Here is on this long form teaching Wednesday, Bishop Ron Bull. Well, listen, welcome. I'm glad to be here with you today uh, in Chris's absence. Uh, He's doing a great job, isn't he? Uh, you guys are blessed uh, to have him here as, as your pastor. I'm uh, Bishop Rombol. Uh, uh, I'm the Bishop of the Midwest Conference here, uh, the Brethren in Christ. And uh, we represent all the area between the Rocky Mountains and the Mississippi River. Now that's a lot of space and, and I haven't covered it all and probably won't ever do that. but. I'm glad to be here with you. Lifehouse is one of the anchor churches we have here in Abilene. It's a great church, and uh, it is built on prayer, and that's a good thing. Hey, I I really want to encourage you to get excited about this Jay Smith guy. I think if you'll look on YouTube, what you're going to discover there is that he is not just some guy coming to Abilene. He is a worldwide type of individual. He has debated with the highest of Muslims in uh, all over the world, has death threats on his life all the time, but he's not coming here really to talk so much about Islam. He's coming here to show you that uh, Christianity is a superior religion. And I think it's time we got some of that thinking back in our heads in this universalist culture we live in. Jesus Christ is Lord of all things. And he will be in the end. And so we worship him. And so I'm glad to to be here to remind you about that. One other thing, and I I didn't bring it up with me, but the message today is, is called Living Beyond Your Means. That's a theme 
of, frankly, the whole book of Acts. And if you look out there in the lobby on that table, one of the things I did before I became bishop is over a period of years, I wrote five books. They're devotional books. They're a, a devotional for 365 days of the year. And the one that I wrote last, uh, Friar Tuck's Word of the Day, ver, uh, chapter 5, is called Living Beyond Your Means. It covers every verse in the book of Acts in one year. And the message you're going to hear today comes out of that uh, type of thinking. And so if you enjoy what you're hearing today, it may be good for you to pick up one of those. Prayer is one of the things that will carry the church a long ways. But listen, if we're not in the Word of God on a daily basis, we're starving ourselves. Chris Danielson cannot give you enough of the Word of God on Sunday morning to carry you through in this world that's hostile. You need a daily feeding on the Word. And so that's why I spent five years of my life writing books that feed people daily. I would encourage you to get into that. Um, one of the things uh, when I went to Salina, Kansas in 1998 to start a church called Crossroads uh, th that we did differently is we showed what we called, before the message, we showed what we called flickers of faith. Now, flickers of faith are scenes out of movies that most people had already seen, but they have God moments in them. And I think I want to teach you all to look for God moments. But today's flicker of faith for this message comes out of an older movie called Guardian. And Guardian is a movie about the Coast Guard's elite rescue swimmers squad. And, and here in this flicker, the Commandant has some guys in for boot camp, and he's going to tell those recruits what it's going to take for them to really become a part of the Coast Guard rescue swimmers. So let's run that flick. Out of the 39,000 men and women who make up the United States Coast Guard, there are only 280 rescue swimmers. This is because we are the Coast Guard's elite. We are the best of the best. When storms shut down entire ports, we go out. When hurricanes ground the United States Navy, we go out. And when the Holy Lord himself reaches down from heaven and destroys his good work with winds that rip houses off the ground, we go out. And the attrition rate at this school is well over 50%. So if by some miracle you actually have what it takes to become one of us, then you get to live a life of meager pay with the distinct possibility of dying, slow, cold, and alone, somewhere in the vast sea. However, you also get the chance to save lives. And there is no greater calling in the world than that. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Out of the 39th. No matter what the threat or danger, we go out. If you choose to become of one of us, you will face meager pay and the very real possibility of dying alone slowly somewhere in this world. That kind of speech would tend to cut down on job applicants, don't you think? But there was an added bonus, don't miss that. However, you also get the chance to save lives. And there is no greater calling in the world than that. Now that is a speech that might tend to fire up those who are tired of a nine-to-five job 
and looking for a higher calling, right? What if we gave a speech like that in the church today? What if this huge Christian church in America, which seems to always be looking for the best deal in town, the place where they can get the most benefit for the least amount of effort, what if we received a message like this and actually listened? How many would show up next week or stick it out if you heard a message like that? Would you believe me, though, if I said that the message has already been given to the church? Jesus sent his disciples out into a stormy and dangerous world that for the most part did not want to hear their message. They went out anyway. Jesus told them they would receive meager pay or no pay. They went out anyway. Jesus told them they would have to suffer in his name. They went out anyway. They were crucified on crosses, stoned to death, sawed in two, hacked apart, drowned, hung from trees. They went out anyway. And they went out because they had a chance to save lives and save them for eternity. And there is no greater calling than that, believers. They went out because people were dying and going to hell. And after they had already died to themselves, they went out. And that tends to cut down on the fear factor when you've died to yourself. The calling has not changed. It is the same today, Lifehouse Church. We have great examples in Scripture to light the way for us. Let's read the word today from Acts chapter 8. And this is how you live beyond your means. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asks. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a, shepherd, a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? 
If you believe with all your heart, you may, the eunuch answered. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Ozatus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is a story of the early church. Driven by their calling, they went out. Scattered by persecution, they went out. Distressed because the world was lost in a sea of sin and death, they went out. Today, Philip, we see here, he hears God, and he does what God tells him to do. And he ends up taking the trip of his lifetime. So what do we learn from these verses today? Well, number one, it pays to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Look at these verses again, 26 through 30. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. That's obedience. And on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. That's obedience. Philip made decisions in his life that led him to an undying obedience to Jesus Christ. And so when the call came for Philip to go out, he went out. And he didn't know for sure where he was going. He didn't know everything that laid ahead. But he went out and he went south to the desert road. Now that sounds like a fun assignment, the desert road. But he went. He obeyed the command and that command even seemed kind of bizarre and vague. But he went. He obeyed. And when the call became more specific, go over there near that chariot, that's what he did. That's what he did. He was told to go up to a stranger and stay close. And so he went. He did what God said to do. It pays to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And the same is true for us. We have an assignment that we'll never be able to complete unless we listen to the Spirit of God. And when God tells us what we should do, there is only one right answer, yes, Lord. And, and then when we say yes, God can do some amazing things through us. Our work can have eternal consequences in the lives of people we touch. We, think about this, we can help save souls. That's an amazing partnership that God has set up with us. We can be blessed beyond belief when we just do what God says. 
But the trouble today is that many Christians want to be selective in their obedience. We've been raised on choices. And so surely God will be happy if I agree with him most of the time. And so we have 60% obedience in the church, 30% obedience, or some other percentage of our personal choice. And on those times when his call is incompatible with my choices, well, surely God will understand. He's a God of grace, you know. But that's not the way God designed it to be. Whenever we don't do God's will, there's a word to describe it. Disobedience. We don't give our children medals for obeying us 60% of the time. We teach them to obey all the time because when they don't, there are consequences. Certainly we give them grace because we love them, but we wouldn't give them instruction if we didn't think it was what was best for them. And the same is true of us. God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word every day if we'll go there. Souls are at stake. It pays to be obedient to the Spirit. The second thing I learn here is this. People can worship God, but not know Jesus. Do you believe that Muslims, uh, they say they worship the same God we do? Minus Jesus, which we know is not right. But they worship God. Listen to Acts uh, 8, 27, 28. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this man, listen, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And then verse 8, 30 and 31. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And so this man believed in God. He worshipped God. But he didn't know Jesus. He still had a hunger in his heart that his religion could not fill up. He was still a seeker in a way. His heart was open to the truth. Here's the thing about missions work. It doesn't matter how religious people are. What matters is if they know Jesus. So forgive me if I get a little impatient sometimes with those who say we should be spending the lion's share of our money, energy, and time reaching people in this 1040 window they talk about because most of the developed world has already heard. Well, I got news. Ethiopia was the developed world in that day. And my friends, there is a good chance that your next door neighbor is just as lost as that person in Africa. Hell will be no cooler for your friend at work than for that woman in Pakistan. 
A lost person is a lost person, and it does not matter if he lives in the 1040 window or the house across the street from you. It doesn't matter if he believes in the God of Moses or worships Allah or a cow or an elephant or a rat until they meet Jesus. They are all destined for the same godless eternity. That's the truth of Jesus. That's the truth of Scripture. Destined for the same place, and so are we. Do you know Jesus? Listen, religion does not cut it. Do you know Jesus personally? This Ethiopian eunuch knew and worshipped the God of the Jews, but he had not met the king of the Jews. And at least not until that obedient Philip shared the truth with him. That, that person who, who made a difference in his life, who helped him make it from lost to found. Through his obedience, Philip became the difference between heaven and hell. Through his obedience, he became the difference between a lost person and a found person. Philip's obedience made all the difference in the world to a man that many of today's missions agencies would say had already heard, had already had his chance. He already believed in God, and very likely, so does your neighbor. Do you know that 90% of all people in America say they believe in God? Church attendance has dropped below 50%, though. Now, what's with that? I would suggest that many of the people in this culture who believe in God have no clue who Jesus is because we have not told them. We have not shown them. But this man was lost, and very likely so is your neighbor. It was God's opinion, and by the way, that's the opinion that counts, that the Ethiopian had not had his chance yet. Not until Philip obeyed the Spirit, shared the truth with him, and ended up leading him to Jesus. And that's why Philip, Philip is a hero of mine. He went where he was told to go, he did what he was told to do, and he helped to save a soul. There is no more important mission than that. And so that's our assignment too, to go where God tells us to go. And many times that's just across the street or across the road. And if you do this, you could very likely save someone's life with the Jesus that you have to share. Because it's very likely that your neighbor has not had his chance either. Even if he believes in God, and, and even if he's a good person, that's why it's not enough to be just a good Christian and give money to missions. We must lay down our lives for our neighbors and our co-workers, our family and friends, and we must get out of our comfort zones and work them into our personal schedules. Their souls are as important as any souls in the world. And right here in Abilene, Kansas, you may just be the only real Christian that someone knows. Seriously. It happens all the time. Don't fail at this. 
Be obedient as Philip was. You can do this. You should do this. How can we do it? That's number three. We have to get close enough to people to listen. We got to hear where they are. The Spirit told Philip in Acts 8, 29 and 30, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And God wanted the Ethiopian to know the truth. But for that to happen, Philip had to get close enough to him to listen, to find out where he was. He had to discover where the Ethiopian was at before he would know how to lead him to Jesus. When he got close, he realized that the Ethiopian was reading out of the greatest prophetic book in the Bible, Isaiah. I mean, it is loaded with references to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it gave Philip the perfect bridge to share about Jesus, the man. And, and this couldn't have happened if Philip had got, hadn't gotten close enough to listen. So when Philip got close, he heard the questions in the Ethiopian's heart. And he wouldn't have known what questions to answer if he hadn't been close enough to hear them. The same applies to us. Listen, uh, there are too many Christians today out there answering questions that no one is asking. They call it witnessing, but it's more like lecturing. They stand at a safe distance and spout instructions. When the lost needs someone who will draw near to them and listen to their heart. Listen to their mind. What are they thinking? It's hard to really hear someone's heart when you keep them at a distance. It's hard to hear someone's heart when we won't go out where we really mix it up with the world in some way. If we're going to be effective in introducing others to the best thing that has ever happened in our lives, we have to get close enough for them to listen to them. We'll need to know where they are before we know how to proceed with the rescue effort. And when we just stand on the street corner and shout or hand out tracts, very few hear. But they need someone close enough to them to toss them a genuine life preserver. They need someone close enough to reach out a hand and pull them up. And that happens best when we really get to know them. To know them, we have to listen to them. I sound like a broken record, but it's just so prominent in our culture today. Jesus spent a lot of time that he could have been doing other things, walking among the sick and the sinful, listening. And maybe we should do the same. Four. We must know the scriptures to assist others. Look at verses 32 and 35 again. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? 
And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus out of the Old Testament. By the way, the Bible that the disciples preached out of. Philip had to know the verses that the eunuch was reading before he could explain to him and tie them into Jesus. He had to know that. And he obviously had studied his Bible. And then when the opportunity came, he said to the Ethiopian, Oh, I know these words well. Let me tell you what they mean. I have met the one that Isaiah is talking about here. Bible study, individual and corporate, is one of the most neglected disciplines in the church today, along with prayer. But many have been Christians and attended church for years, but still cannot find the book of Hezekiah in the Bible, let alone tell you what it's about or what it means for us today. By the way, if you're looking for it in your Bible app, you won't find it because Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. I rest my case. Believers, we have at our fingertips something others have died to have. The Word of God, the Bible, it changed my life, and it can change yours. Read it. Learn it. Know it well enough that when an unbelieving friend either attacks it or asks a question about it, you can give them the straight story from the horse's mouth. You cannot spend enough time in the Word here on a Sunday morning for that to happen. You just cannot do it. This has to be done on your own. Get into the Word. Let it work in you. But it's the stuff that amazing rescues are made of. It's part of the discipline that's required to save lives. And there is no greater calling. And fifth, we should all know how to lead another person to Jesus. Look at verses 35 through 37. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I want to share with you the, what I call the saddest statistic that I have ever heard. Here it is. Are you ready? Over 90% of Christians have never led another person to the Lord. Never. 90%. That means that 90% of all Christians have, for one reason or another, not gone out on that rescue mission that God has called them to. We've got all kinds of excuses. They're good, some of them. But in the end, I think God will call it disobedience. Because we've all been told to go. 
every single one of us. You will be my witnesses. That's a command. I, I want that statistic to be different here in the Midwest Conference and here at the Lifehouse Church in Abilene because I believe that God wants that statistic to be different. We simply must develop a sense of mission that gets us out of our sanctuaries and our living rooms and pushes us out to where lost people are drowning, begging for help, asking questions, and wanting to be rescued. We need to listen to God and share the same burden that He does for those who do not know His Son, Jesus. We should all know how to lead another to Jesus. And practice makes perfect. And finally, we learn today, number six, when we are obedient, God can work miracles in us. Miracles. Look at verse 39 through 40. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos. I can't pronounce Azotos. Azotos. Uh, somebody will correct me that knows how to speak Bible. <laughs> and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns that he reached until he reached Caesarea. Now, listen, it's really easy for us to focus on this last miracle here. It's sort of like the teletransporter in, in Star Trek, right? You know, you step in there, you're gone. God just scooped Philip up. He disappeared from the Ethiopian site, and he appeared in another place far away. Wow, that's so cool. And when Philip popped up in that new place, guess what he did? He kept doing what God had told him to do. He traveled around preaching the gospel in all the towns. In other words, he was still on mission. He went out again. And so the miraculous is followed by simple continuing obedience. Don't miss that. Uh, the spectacular is followed by the ordinary. You see, it doesn't matter where God puts us. Our assignment is always the same, to share Jesus. But the other miracle here is not even mentioned by most. Uh, and, and I want to I plant this seed in your mind. Don't, don't forget about the Ethiopian who was left behind. What do you think he did? He heard the truth. He came to faith. He was baptized. He saw a miracle. What about him? Well, don't forget who he was. He was an important official in charge of all the treasury of a queen named Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Do you understand what that means? He was like the secretary of the treasury of the United States of America. He had connections that went right into the office of the president. Guess who very likely got a first-hand account of what had happened? That's right, the queen herself. And if she was influenced, then the whole nation would likely have heard the message in some way. Now listen, that 
is a miracle. And so history records that Ethiopia was one of the first African nations to wholeheartedly embrace Christianity and still today has a much higher percentage of Christians than any other religion in an area that is generally dominated by Islam. I don't think that's an accident. And that's why God sent Philip into the desert to spread the word of Jesus to the highest levels of an entire nation. That's saving lives in a big way and it stemmed all from the obedience of one man who had sold out to Jesus and then went out when he was called to go out. We never know who God wants us to touch. And we never know who they will touch in turn. One voice can indeed change history and miracles still do happen even in single acts of obedience. Actually, most of you here today are a miracle. Someone went out in some way when they were called to go, and you heard the truth because of that. They were obedient, and your life was saved. It may have been a teacher, a neighbor, co-worker, a friend. It may have been a singer or a preacher may have been a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin, but somebody went out and somebody obeyed the Lord and followed their calling. And now you have the same assignment. Who knows where it will lead? Who knows two gen or three generations from now who might come out of one relationship that you have today? You also get a chance to save lives, and there is no greater calling in the world than that. <laughs> and just in case you think you might need to pray about this a little more before you go, check out these great words from the Christian author A.W. Tozer. I think they might be on the screen. Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying, and it simply will not work. To pray for revival while ignoring the plain precept laid down in Scripture is to waste a lot of words and get nothing for our trouble. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. A.W. Tozer. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. Wow. So the question today is, will we obey? Will we be like those Coast Guard rescue swimmers and go out whenever we get the call, no matter what the circumstances? Will we be prepared? Will we be trained? Will we be willing? And it starts right here in this room today. How many of you today would say in your heart, I'm a Philip, but I have been reluctant to get involved. I've been reluctant to listen to people that are lost. I've been reluctant to go out. How many would say, I want that to change? That can start right now in here.
How many would say today, I I'm more like that Ethiopian. Uh, I believe in God, but I'm riding alone in the desert and I don't really know Jesus yet. Oh, I've read about him, but I don't know him. That can start right here today in your heart. It's a simple choice. It's a yes or no answer. And so as we close this service, I believe God is calling us to step up and to step out right here in Abilene. Step out of the crowd and step up to the plate and hit a home run for Jesus. Would you be willing to do that? It starts here. But it can't stay here. If we can't take the step here, we'll not likely be able to face the stormy waters out there. And so God calls for a response. There is no in-between on this one. Will you respond to his call? Will you? Let's stand for prayer, please. Lord, your word is out there. And it is open to us hearing it with our ears. But I pray today that will have been heard in the hearts and that people will go out no matter what. They'll go out and do what you've called them to do, to be your witnesses, to preach your gospel in whatever way they're called to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. So that's the assignment. Go out and do what God has called you to do. God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bible Idiots podcast. This was the Wednesday Long Form Teaching featuring Bishop Ron Bowl. He is the Bishop of the Midwest Conference of the Brethren in Christ Denomination, and he was speaking at Lifehouse Church. He was in for me as I was on vacation, but that was a great message, and we hope that it encouraged you. Hey, go to BibleIdiots.com to keep up with everything that's going on, and don't forget, in the upper left-hand corner is my personal email. Drop me a line. We'd love to hear from you. That's going to do it for today on the Bible Idiots Podcast. On behalf of my best friend and bride, Emily, my name is Chris. Get into the Word of God today and go and serve your King.